in actual fact, I, I started the series last week, and um, I, I said to you that I'm going to continue along these lines and just keep speaking about these things because these things are very, very, very important. I started speaking to you on the importance of growing up spiritually. And it is very important to grow up spiritually. And you heard Pastor Corey say that we need to grow up spiritually. You never get to the place where you stop growing. You never get to the place where you think you have arrived. You always desire more. You always keep growing. You're always open to change. You're always open to be pliable and changeable and, and adaptable. Always, all the time. And the Lord will make sure that on a daily basis he shows you what needs to change. And every one of us needs to be open to this. Can someone say amen? amen. Spiritual growth is important. It's not negotiable. You, you must understand that this is something that we must desire on a daily basis. Can someone say amen? amen? Our text is Hebrews chapter 6. We read verses 1 and 2. If you would turn there with me, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. If you have found it, say amen. Well, you didn't say amen, so you haven't found it. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews is in the middle of Genesis and Revelation. <laughs> For some of you who... <laughs> Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to, that's awesome. My God, suddenly my volume just went up. I like that. So I don't have to shout. You know, these microphones have a brain of their own. They just decide to go up and come down whenever they wish. But anyways, <laughs> let's continue. Let's go back. Let's read. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. I emphasize that perfection here does not mean not making mistakes. For those who think this is what it means, no, this is not what it means. Because you see, every now and then people tend to make mistakes. Is that correct? So perfection here does not mean not making mistakes. Perfection here simply means maturity. That's why the, the title of my message on the series that I'm doing is about growing up spiritually. So let us leave the discussion of the primary or basic. The word elementary there means basic, primary. And I also showed you when I gave you the example last week that if you would want to study, uh, let's say, engineering in university or medicine, you would need the basics of education and you get the, those when you go through primary school, if you come through primary school, that means you have the basics necessary for you to build a career in medicine or in engineering. Is that correct? I mean, you begin to do stuff like elementary science and introductory technology. Just basic stuff about technology, basic stuff about science, basic stuff about biology. You begin to study these basics when you go through primary school 
or you actually go through high school and then eventually go through university. Is that correct? And so you can't talk about building a career in any of the fields of life if you don't go through the basics. Everyone said the basics. The basics are important. And what I've been showing you from last Sunday are the basics. And I talked about the first basic principle of Christ. And today, I want to talk about the second basic principle or elementary doctrine of Christ. Some people say it's six. Others say it's seven. I actually heard someone who said it is seven principles or doctrine of Christ. And the seventh is maturity or perfection. I tend to agree, but I also tend to agree with those who say it's six, so it's not a problem. If you say it's six, you're fine. If you say it's seven, you're fine. But the seventh here is perfection or maturity. But basics are important. Is that correct? Basics are basically the, the foundation of the house. You, you, you don't build a house without building a solid foundation. And the taller the building, the deeper the foundation. If the foundation of the house or the building is bad, the building will eventually crumble. I don't care how nice it looks on the outside. Even if it's built with glass, with state-of-the-art equipment in the building, with amazing, expensive furniture, the building will eventually crumble because the foundation of the building is bad. And the foundation is important. And so many people do not put emphasis on the foundation. But the foundation is most important. If you notice, it tells us to leave these basic principles. In actual fact, we should have known these basic principles long ago. But not everyone do. And that is the reason why it's an obligation on us and an obligation on me to, to bring these basic principles because... It is upon these basic principles that you can grow. If you do not have these basic principles at the tip of your fingers, you cannot mature. A lot of people try to grow in the things of God, and they do all kinds of things but what God has told us to do. So, go on to maturity. I want to say maturity. Notice it says, not laying again the foundation. Notice it's the foundation. Of repentance from dead works or dead formality or dead formalism and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying out of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These are all matters of which you should have been aware long, long ago. So basically the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying you should have known these way, 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 way before. But is it not interesting that the basic things that the church is supposed to know, the church does not know? Is it not interesting that what God tells us to emphasize, we de-emphasize? What God tells us to take note of, people don't take note of. Is it not interesting how this thing happened? That is the reason why we must, we must bring the truth. We must bring the word of God in this direction because I, I want everyone here to grow. You don't want to be a 15-year-old kid still sucking on your thumb. You don't want to be a 15-year-old kid that is unaware 
of what's happening. You don't want to be a 30-year-old man that is still acting like a baby. And don't we have people like that in churches all over the world? 30 years are being saved for 30 years, are being in the way for 30 years. But my God, the way I look at you and the way you carry yourself and the things you take offense at just shocks me. Because you are being in the way, but you haven't grown. It's not enough to be in the way for 20 years or for 30 years. What is important is to grow up in the things of God and to be a man of God and be a woman of God and be a man of integrity and character. That is important. I thought someone would say amen to that. You see some people have been saved for 10 years and then you see someone who just got saved a year ago. And the guy who just got saved a year ago, boom, just begins to grow. Gets involved in everything. Spends quality time in the presence of God. Spends quality time in the word. And my God, the character of Christ is, is being developed on the inside of them. And they're rising up to be an amazing instrument in the house of God. But the one that's been saved for 10 years comes in and out. And my God, pastor did not look at me the right way this morning. And I'm not going to come back to that church ever again. This is so true. Those that have refused to grow take offense easily. And I talked about offense about two weeks ago. Which is not something very easy to deal with if you have not matured. Because if you are a grown believer, you don't just look at that little thing. You look at a much bigger picture. I told people, I will not go to hell because of anybody. I've made up my mind to serve the Lord. I've made up my mind to live for God. And you do not have what it takes to make me leave the faith. It's a choice. But not everyone can make that choice. People carry offense. People carry all kinds of things in their hearts because they have refused to let the word and the fire of God change them. We must come to a place of complete change where we are not acting like we were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, even a year ago. You look back at your life, you must be able to say, I am not where I used to be. I am changing. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Pastor Corey talked about Romans chapter 12, I believe, right? Verse 2, do not uh, conform to this word, but be ye transformed. It's a process. Metamorphosis. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you don't change, you will not tell the difference between what's the will of God and what is not. A lot of things is going on in the body of Christ today all over the world. And people are being deceived. And those that are going to fall away are those who have refused to allow God's word change them. We must allow the word of God to change us. Because when we are changed by his word, we think like God thinks. We act like God acts. We behave like he does. Can someone say praise the Lord? So this is important that everyone grows up. Tell your neighbor, it's time to grow up. Come on, say it like you truly mean it. It's time to grow up. Don't think you've arrived. You are a work in progress. You are still on a journey. Can someone shout, praise God? Repentance from dead works and 
all the stuff that's given to us, but it's important to emphasize perfection here is maturity. It's growing up, and everyone is in the process. Ephesians 4.13, still emphasizing maturity. It says, still we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. The word again there, or the, the, the phrase there, perfect man, does not mean a man who doesn't make mistakes. It simply means a mature man. I want to say a mature man. Now, man here also, the man here does not mean a man as in masculine gender. Man here, basically, it's all inclusive. It means male and female. Can, can someone say amen? And uh, Let us make man in our own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Amen? So it's not masculine gender. It's not feminine gender. It's basically an all-inclusive terminology. Praise God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You can see that God expects us to grow. 1 Corinthians 2.15, still talking about maturity. But the spiritual man, everyone said the spiritual man. Notice, it's not the carnal man, but the spiritual man. So if you have the spiritual man, it also implies you have the carnal man. Can someone say, God help me? <laughs> you thought I was going to say, praise God. No, God help me. The, the, the spiritual man, the man who is mature, tries all things. He examines, he investigates, he inquires into, he questions, he discerns all things. Yet he himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise, or get an insight into him. Come on now, say amen. When you are mature in the things of God, when you are spiritually mature, and let me clarify, spiritual maturity is not determined, or it's not measured by miracles, by the ability to speak in tongues or prophesy. Are you listening to me? The church at Corinth spoke in tongues. But when you study the letter that Paul wrote to them, the, the book of 1 Corinthians, you discover, my God, these people, ha! Brother was suing brother, taking him to court. Paul was so upset. He said, don't you have anyone spiritual, anyone maturing in your congregation that can resolve disputes like that? Are you so, are you so uh, immature that you have to take disputes like that to the world? It was such a mess. People were sleeping around. It was such a mess. The church was so divided. I belong to Paul, I belong to, to Cephas, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Jesus. Even those that said I belong to Jesus did not really carry themselves that the shoe. The church should not be divided. And I've heard nonsense like this is uh, an African church, uh, this is an uh, American church, and this is, give me a break, there's nothing like an African church, there's nothing like an American church. 
Are you listening to me? There's nothing like a Congolese church, French church. There's nothing like that. There's absolutely, that's one thing I love about revival. In revival, everyone comes together. Revival is like the coat of many colors. Come on now, it's multicultural. Everyone is, it's, it's in the Lord. Everyone carries the same spirit. Everyone drinks from the same spirit. Everyone is filled with the same fire. Can someone shout praise God? Everyone carries the same Holy Ghost. We don't look at the skin color. No, no, for we know no man after the flesh. We do not look at the skin color. We don't look at where you're coming from. We are only looking at you with the eyes of God. You are a child of the living God. You've been washed. You've been set free. You've been delivered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if that is the case, then you are my brother and you are my sister in the Lord. If you believe it, come on, give the Lord your biggest shout of praise the Lord. No, because carnal people will look at you and look at the, where, where you're coming from, your, your educational level and, and your, your family and your nationality and all of that nonsense. All of that should be thrown out of the window. They do not belong to the church. But these guys spoke with tongues. They had the gifts of the Spirit. They prophesied. I mean, even during prophecy, it was chaotic. Everyone wanted to prophesy. I heard the story of the church where people had division, this section and, and that section. And when people who do not want to have anything to do with people in that section came to church, they sat in this area. And those that sat on the other area, you know, you could tell that there was this tension and division on the church. And then in the middle of the service, somebody in this section stands up and begins to speak in tongues and begin to prophesy. Thus says the Lord, does, and just prophesied. And they let him finish. And when he sat back down, the guy on this side stood up and said, Thus says the Lord, I didn't say that. <laughs> that's, how, that, that's how divided the church can be if you let strife come in. If you carry yourself around with, with, with unforgiveness and strife, and, and, and you don't nip, nip it in the bud. You don't deal with it immediately. I tell you before you know it, your whole congregation will be destroyed. That is the reason why in this place, my God, we are on top of it. The moment we perceive it, we jump on top, we deal with it. We, we, we are going to help you get free. If you don't want to get free, we're going to show you how to get free by showing you the door. No, listen to me. This is very important. Because, listen, some people say, oh, but why will you do that to someone? Well, I did that to the person to protect you. Do you understand that? Some of you will get it next week because you're looking at me. You're looking at me like you don't understand what I'm talking about. No, if the guy would not want to walk in peace, then we have to show him how to. Because we want to protect God's people. We've got a responsibility here. But if everyone grows up, we don't have to deal with that. Is that true? All the frivolities, the irrelevant things that we have to deal with in the church, because this one can't live at peace with his neighbor. And sometimes, I, the other day I sat in the, in the office and I thought to myself, my God, I felt like Moses. I was, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I felt... 
when they brought the matter to me, I sat there and listened. I just thought to myself, this is Moses now. This is exactly what Moses was dealing with. 2.5 million people, everyone coming with your problem. And it, it wears you out if you don't have the glory of God. It wears you out if you don't have wisdom. It wears you out, wears you out if you don't raise other people up to help you with the job. Everyone wants to tell you something. I sat there, I felt like, I told my wife, I felt like Moses. She was laughing when I told her. I felt like Moses until his father-in-law Jethro said, don't do this again. Don't deal with those, those are little small stuff. But, you know, how many people understand that those are little small stuff? They're not supposed to come to me. But if we don't grow up, we have to keep dealing with this stuff. He took my shoes. What's my business if he took your shoes? <laughs> no, what's my, no, listen, what's pastor's business if your neighbor took your shoes? If your neighbor took your pair of socks, what has that got to do with the pastor? Help me get it back. No, that's not my job. That's not the job of the man. You go to him and get your shoes back. You go to him or her and get your pair of socks. You laugh, but you will be amazed at the things we hear. You will be shocked. That's why it is recommended that a pastor should be an evangelist for some time. And an evangelist should be a pastor for a while and understand what each one goes through. But you know, the pastor still needs to stay with the flock. And everyone says, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, tell three people it's time to grow up. The first thing we, look at, we see here, which we talked about, I don't want to go back because I laid a solid foundation on this. If you want, you can go back and you can watch riveristanbul.com. We have it on, the, on YouTube. We have it on our website. You can actually go and uh, access that from last week. You can also download it on your smart device, and you can listen over and over again. But we talked about repentance from dead works. I talked about people establishing their own righteousness. You were born righteous when you gave your life to Christ. There is nothing you can do to make you better. Did you get that? Nothing. There's nothing you can do to make you better. You were born that way. For he that knew no sin, pardon, was made sin or became, became sin sacrifice, that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in him. Can someone say amen? amen. Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is what? It's the gift of God. It, it's a gift. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You don't have what it takes. You can't be good enough for God. You've got to understand what I'm saying. 
You cannot be good enough for God. Jesus was good enough. And Jesus paid the price. And it was perfect. We put our faith in that. And that is it. In your righteousness, you cannot please God. So People try to establish their own righteousness. People go on a five-day fast whenever they miss it. Whenever they sin, they go on a ten-day fast. And they, they, they think, if I fast, God will forgive me. God does not forgive you because you go on a ten-day fast. Because you're trying in your strength and ability to gain God's favor and mercy. No, God gave it to you already. The Bible says, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The just for the unjust. There's nothing you can do to make it better. You come in faith, you receive it by faith. And in actual fact, the faith itself was a gift. Come on now, say amen. You had nothing to offer. He gave you everything from one to hundred. Sometimes you hear people say, I I'm giving my life to Jesus. And my question is, what life? You've got no life. I'm not talking about you here. I'm talking about the people that are not here today. <laughs> you, <laughs> you <laughs> no, honestly, I I'm giving my life to Jesus. And people make the altar call, come give your life to Jesus. And I understand that. But really, if you think about it, what life have you got? No, you don't have life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath no life. You have, you've got no life. No, you come to take His life. You come to receive His life. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. You were dead in trespasses and sin. But God. I won't say, but God. But God, so rich in mercy. Yeah. Hallelujah. But God, he showed up, he saved us, he introduced to us liberty and freedom and deliverance. And my God, he gave us the faith to believe. No man can boast. No man can say, I achieved it. No man can say, I gained it. No man can say, I worked for it. You couldn't work for it. Jesus did a perfect work, and he came and he gave it to you free of charge. Come on now. Say amen. Free of charge. By grace, unmerited favor, you have been saved through faith. That not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Romans, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, this is good, <laughs> I like this. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy. This is how we were, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. I pray that this sings into someone's heart today. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. 
He saved us according to his mercy. Come on now, say amen. amen. You have people who say when you get to heaven, God will weigh your good against your bad. And if your bad outweighs your good, you're done. But if your good outweighs your bad, you gain access to heaven. You know, all your righteousness is as a filthy rag. You think your good will outweigh your bad? Who thinks that in yourself, apart from Jesus, your good will outweigh your bad? Impossible. Now, even if you are that good to the place where you pleased or you, you are so morally good, 99.9% .9 good, 0.1% bad, it's a problem. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? 0.1% bad is a problem because no one can be good enough. Be ye perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be ye holy, as God is holy. You can attain these in your ability. Because somewhere, someplace, sometime, you will say the wrong thing. You will look the wrong way. You will think bad thoughts. So, all by yourself, you cannot. But in Jesus, we've been made the righteousness of God. We've been set free. We've been delivered. Can someone say praise God? He has filled us with His Spirit. He's giving us boldness before God. This is the confidence we have. That if we shall ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Don't cast away your what? Confidence that does what? Carries the great recompense of reward. We are not those that draw back into perdition. No, we are those that believe. Amen. Come on, shout praise God. Amen. Not because of what we could do or what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done on the cross of Calvary. He cried out, it is finished. The work was done. It was complete. He came not to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And my God, he gave us his ability and gave us his grace and gave us his holiness and gave us his righteousness and gave us his, my God, everything that he has, he gave to us. That is why we come boldly to the throne of God's grace that we might obtain help and we might obtain get help in our time of need. God is giving us everything. So when we come before God, we stand in the righteousness of Jesus. He does not see what we did. No, he sees what Jesus has done. For the price was paid and it was a perfect price and we come because of what Jesus has done. Can someone praise the Lord and give Jesus Christ all the glory in the house? Come on now. Come on, put your hands together and give him praise. Hallelujah. My God. I have to tell you to put your hands. With all these references we see in the Bible, you see how people who wonder uh, if it's possible to know that they are on their way to heaven. Is it possible to know? Because you ask people, I mean, you just heard uh, outreach team members, they go out on the street literally every day, crisscrossing the city, and talking to people one-on-one -on -one about Jesus. And I've said it, and I say it again. A church that does not reach the harvest or the lost or does not bring in the harvest, 
Don't even let me say what I'm about to say. Don't tell me, don't tell me I have the heart of God and you're not going after souls. Don't tell me I understand salvation and your heart does not burn for souls. Don't tell me. Don't tell me I'm in revival and you're not talking to nobody. You're self-centered. Don't tell me I have the glory of God. Don't tell me because when the heart of God is in you, the heart of God will push you. The heart of God will propel you. The heart of God will, because the heart of God is people. The heart of God is people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world. But that the world through his son might be saved. He that sinneth is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this reason the son of God was manifest. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And if we are not about our father's business, destroying the works of the devil in the lives of people across the nation, even in the lives of people that live in our neighborhood, and my God, people live with you. People live with you. And it's a sad thing that people will live with you for months, and they do not even know you are a born-again believer. And if you don't preach to them, they will preach to you. That's one thing I learned many, many years ago. I was told, whenever you move into a new place, the first thing you must do is tell the people you meet who you are. Because if you don't, they will tell you who they are. Somebody's going to preach something. And if you don't preach, they will preach. And that's when you begin to compromise. Because you were ashamed of the Holy Ghost. You were ashamed of salvation. You were ashamed to tell them, I belong to Jesus. Yes, they will mock you. Yes, they will criticize you. But who cares what they do? Who cares what they say? They will mock you anyways. Whether you tell them or not, they will find something to say about you. So it's better you tell them who you are. I'm a child of the almighty God, of the living God. And I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are going to catch up soon. Because listen, some of you are quiet. You've got to begin to open your mouth. And talk about Jesus. Talk about who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness. The more you talk about it, the more, the more uh, understanding you gain about us. Come on now, say amen. amen. Talk to your colleagues at work. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to your friends. Talk to your fellow students. Talk to them. Tell them. Tell them. Has anyone ever told you that God loves you and he has a good plan for you? Yeah, you said yes. Good. He said yes. He has heard many times. <laughs> Praise God. But you see, we ask people this question literally every day, and this is one answer we've got. Many times you hear people say, nobody knows. Nobody knows where they're going when they die. No one knows when we get there, God will determine. My God, you are on the wrong journey. If you get to the airport... And you don't know where you're flying to. Life itself is a journey. Did you know that? You're supposed to be flying to London, England. So you go to the... Whether you buy it online or you go to the agency. And you tell them, I want to fly to London, England. And I want to fly to Heathrow Airport. So you've got to buy the right ticket to fly to the right place. Is that correct? 
You, you, you don't just walk to the airport and they ask you where you're going. You say, I don't know. I, I'm about to get on the plane. When I get on the plane, the pilot will take me wherever he wants. I guarantee you, you are not getting on the plane. Are you listening to me? You won't get on the plane. Who's going to let you get on the plane? Where's your ticket? I've got no ticket, but I'm getting on the plane. Which one? There's Lufthansa, there is KLM, there is Turkish Airlines, there is Pegasus, there's... Which one? Any, anyone, just put me on anyone. <laughs> now you see, you laugh, you, you laugh at the stupidity of that, but when you ask people, where are you going after you die? They say, we don't know, it is God that determines when we get there. Listen to me, you've got to know now. The Bible says, we know we have eternal life. Tell, tell someone, I know, I have eternal life. There is a knowing. There is a knowing. I know. I know. Praise God. If you don't have it, you don't have it. But if you have it, it resides in, on the inside of you. I know. Come on now, shout praise God. Establishing their righteousness. All, all the religious things that people do. Thinking if, if, if I'm religious, God accepts. Re religion, religion, listen. God does not accept you because you do religious works. If I give, God accepts me. No, God does not accept you. God accepted you, therefore you give. If I do good works, God will be pleased. No, God, <laughs> you do good works because of who lives in you. You don't do good works to impress God. Come on now, say praise God. So we, we looked at those. I, I spent some time talking about them again. But the second thing we see is faith toward God. I want to say faith toward God. I want you to notice it's not faith toward a man. It's faith toward God. Mankind, mankind is frail and weak. And man can disappoint. So your faith is not toward a man. Your faith is toward God. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge, 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 acknowledge him. And he, not your friend, not your neighbor, not your boss, Come on now, not the president of your country. He shall direct thy path. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 and verse 10. Thus saith the Lord, cursed is the man that trusteth in man. And it's not faith toward man, it is faith toward God. Tell someone faith toward God. So it says, curse is the man that trusted in man and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. Verse 7 says, blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord. Do you trust in the Lord? Do you trust in the Lord? Faith toward God is the only way to please God. Hebrews eleven six. what does the Bible say? But without faith, it is impossible. To please God. For he that comes to God must believe 
that he is. Notice, he doesn't say he that comes to church. Notice, he doesn't say he that comes to a building. But he that comes to God. It's possible to come to church, but not to God. If you know what I mean by that. It's possible to come to a building, but you did not come to God. And, and that's the reason why sometimes we preach the way we preach. Because we need to stir people up. We need people to wake up. Because sometimes people can sit here, but they are not here. You've got to get your heart ready every time you're coming. You're coming to meet with the Lord. With the Lord. You're not coming to meet with a man. Can someone say amen? So you've got to always get your heart ready. Get your heart ready. And, and let me say this for those of you who, who, who just love to miss worship. You're coming, you're coming when, you, when you know I'm about to preach. And, and listen. Worship time is not preliminary. The message is not the main part of the service. The entire service is the main service. Oh, yeah. People need to know this stuff because they're coming 20 minutes or 10 minutes before I start preaching. And, and, and you want to sit there and think to yourself, well, once, once it starts preaching, I'll receive. Your heart is not ready. Your heart is not ready. Learn to sleep early on Saturdays and wake up early on Sundays. And that's where everyone needs to say amen. I'm a pastor, so I say all this stuff. <laughs> Amen. People need to know. Wait, sleep early, wake up early. And come to worship. Come lift your hands to the Lord. Come open your hearts to the Lord. I mean, people have this attitude. Sometimes on New Year's Eve, they come five minutes before we say Happy New Year. And I've, I've said it many times. I've said it many times. You, 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 you didn't see them though, the entire 364 days. 360, the 365th day of the year. They show up 10 minutes before we shout Happy New Year. And we start the countdown. And, and they begin to shout Happy New Year. And they think to themselves that the year 2020 brings anything. Listen, the year does not bring nothing. The year is just a change of date and calendar. It is what a man sows he reaps. The year don't bring nothing. You get, you get to the 31st of December every year. Everyone all over the world has a word. And as much as I'm not taking away, if the Lord is giving people a word, praise God for the word. But everyone wants to have a word. 31st of December, everyone has a word. Every preacher has a word. <laughs> Is this true? Yes. Don't look at me that way. You know I'm preaching good. <laughs> every, preach, every preacher has a word. Everyone has a word. The word for 2020. You go, go to YouTube. Everyone, eh, preachers have word. And I'm not, a, I'm not saying you can't have a word. It's okay if the Lord spoke to you. Though. But if the Lord didn't speak to you, don't come up and say there is a word. No, but why is it that 31st, everyone has a word? Huh? Was the Lord not speaking in November? <laughs> was he not speaking in October? Was he, <laughs> was, he, <laughs> was, he <laughs> was he not speaking in January? No, give me a break. Everyone has a word. 
The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Sometimes it's not the word of the Lord. It's, it's your words. Interesting. After the first, suddenly the Holy Ghost speaks. He wasn't speaking all the while, but just in the 31st, he begins to speak. The word for 2020. As if, as if the Lord himself set up the calendar. Before God, there's nothing like 2019, 2020, 2021. No, listen, that was all set up by man. It's all man. It's all man. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's okay if you want to do, do that. But uh, it's... So don't... Don't put God in your box, in your 2019 box, in 2020 box. And it just seems as if God is, you know, God's done everything that needs to be done. God is going to move in 2020. God moved. He moved already. You need to move. Yeah, you are the one that needs to move. God has moved. God moved already. And my Bible says in Ephesians 2 that he's sitting already. He's sitting down now. (laughs) It's, it's, It's sitting. Praise God. People get all hyped up. Five minutes to the service. Let's go. Let's, let's. Look, 364 days you've been sowing in the flesh. And you think to yourself, the last 10 minutes of the year, you're going to come and press into the spirit and go into 2020 with the blessings. And look, what you sowed is. <laughs> you know, some people just need to start praying, Lord, I'm asking for crop failure. I'm telling you, because you've sown some seeds in 2019 and the harvest is about to come, you need to say, Lord, have mercy. And I'm asking for crop failure. All the seeds I've sown, he that sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows into the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Can someone say amen? amen. So the year and the change is just a change of date and calendar. January, February, March, April, May, June, July. We will run out this year. We'll finish again and we'll go into 2021. And if you don't make the adjustments, we'll go to 2022, and we'll go to 2023, we'll go to 2024, the next decade. And if Jesus returns, my God, you, you just wonder, have I used my life to accomplish anything to the glory of God? And if that is the case, that your life has not been used to accomplish anything to the glory of God, today is your day for a change. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make the adjustment. Today is the day to say, Lord, help me. I cry out to you and I I promise that I'm going to make the adjustments as you give me the grace and I'm going to walk with you and live a life that brings you glory. And if you would make decisions like that, and this is not a New Year's resolution, by the way. This is, Lord, I am connecting with you today and I'm giving you my heart and I'm giving you my all. You're welcome to do whatever you want to do. Take me wherever you want to take me. Change my life and impact me. And I'll never ever be the same again. And if you make decisions like that, guess what? God's going to come. And God's going to touch you. And God's going to change you. And God's going to impart into you all that you need for the year 2020. And you will rise up to be the man that God wants you to be. If that is you, then give the Lord a big shout of praise the Lord in the house. Hallelujah.
Faith to what God is the only way to please God. Faith to what God is the only way to overcome. This year, 2020, you've got to take the word and sow the word of God in your heart. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to be a student of the word. You've got to be a student who does not just read, but a student who puts the word in practice. You can't just be a hearer. You have to be a doer. Don't be a deceiver of yourself because the Bible says God cannot be mocked. God cannot be deceived. You can't even deceive yourself thinking that I'm deceiving God. But don't even do that. You've got to. You've got to take God's word. You've got to sow the word of God into your heart. And whatever it is you're believing for in 2020, you've got to take God's word and put it in your heart and begin to speak the word out of your mouth. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You've got to take the word of God. You've got to take it at face value. You've got to believe in the word. You've got to act the word you've got to walk on the word you've got to study the word you've got to read the word my god it's it's time to wake up if you've not been in the word it's time to go in the word i mean pastor cory was just sharing with us the importance of rising in faith every one of us must rise in faith in 2020 and if you would do this i guarantee you at the end of this year you will look back and you will see all that god has accomplished in your life because it is only by faith that you can overcome the circumstances of life can someone say amen. amen for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith that is first John chapter 5 verses 4 and 5 having a strong faith toward God is not negotiable it's a must tell someone it's a must tell someone it's a must it's not negotiable it's a must your faith needs to be strong in God faith toward God not faith Toward your friend, not faith toward your neighbor, not faith toward your work. Some people have faith on their job and faith in their business and faith in their boss and faith in their education and faith in their career. No, it's faith toward God. Because everything else can fail, but God never fails. On Christ, the solid rock has stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Having a strong faith is not negotiable. It's a must. In 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul says, for, I, for, for this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Watch this. He says, for I am, for I know whom I have believed. That's awesome. Everyone say, I know whom I have believed. What, what a conviction. Strong Solid conviction. I know. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. Are you persuaded? That he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. What is faith? What is faith? Faith is the weapon of defense. Ephesians 6, 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Faith is a shield. Faith is a shield. And my God, I recommend to each of you to have a big shield this year. Faith is a shield. You don't want to have small shield? Because when the enemy... When, no, no, notice. I mean, think about, think about the shield of a, of a warrior. If your shield is small and the enemy is shooting at you, arrows are coming from all over the place. The Bible talks about the, how the devil throws fiery darts at us. And, and your shield... No, you need a big shield. You just have to go hide behind it like this. 
Can someone say amen? And this shield of faith protects you. The enemy throws. Listen, the fact that you are a believer in Christ does not mean that challenges will not come. In actual fact, the, the fact that you are a believer in Christ means that sometimes it seems as if all, all, all hell is going to break loose against you. But don't be afraid. For he that trusts in the Lord is like Mount Zion that cannot be moved, but abideth forever. Can someone shout praise the Lord? I'm telling you, when you hide in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, can someone say amen? amen? Where no foe can access, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in Him. I trust and confidently rely. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Come on now, say praise the Lord. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord your refuge, even the most high your habitation, there shall no evil before you, nor any plague come nigh your dwelling. Come on now. If you have faith, big faith, Big fed as big as a big shield. Then give the Lord a big hand of praise the Lord. Because you need it. You need it for 2020. You need a big, big faith. Our God is a big God. Our God is a mighty God. And if our God is big, our faith is big. My God, we don't have small faith like this. I, this you know, I'm thinking about, you know, there are sizes of, of faith. You know, of shield, actually. Since you're... Your faith is a shield, taking unto you the shield of faith, with which you would quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Come on, say amen. amen. Praise God. I will look up to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow my foot to be moved. He that keeps me does not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is my shade. The Lord is my keeper. The sun will not smite me by day. My God, the sun will not smite me by day because I have a big shield. Not the moon by night, because I have a big shield. The Lord will preserve my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. If your faith is big, if you have the shield of faith, then I can guarantee you by the written word of God and by the precious blood of Jesus and by the name that's above every name, that the devil will try everything he can, but he cannot touch you. Why? Because you are healed, because you are protected, because you have faith. That's big to fight off everything that the enemy throws at you. But how does your faith grow? How does your faith get strong? It is by the word of God. It is by revelation. For my Bible tells me that you shall know the truth. And the truth you know. Knowing there is revelation. You shall have revelation of the truth. And the revelation of the truth you have will set you free. Can someone say praise the Lord? Faith toward God. Faith, 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 faith. My God, faith's rising in this place. What is faith? Faith is a force. Faith is a force. When you release it, situations will give way. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say. Notice you would say. 
you will say to this mountain. You will not negotiate with the mountain. You will speak to the mountain. Some people are talking to the mountain or talking with the mountain. Don't talk with it. It does not say talk with it. It says talk to it. It says you would say to the mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea. And if you do not doubt in your heart, but you shall believe that those things which you said will come to pass, you shall have whatever you say. I had to deal with this last Sunday because someone had told me to pray for her mom. And I prayed for her mom the day before, which was a Saturday. Came to Bible school and I prayed for her mom. And I come up here the next day, Sunday, and as we were receiving the prayer request, I opened several, all the ones that was given to me, and I looked at this, and I saw the same prayer request. Did the Lord answer me yesterday? Are we going to keep asking? I said, look. If it, it was done yesterday. <laughs> See, that's where people miss it. Because the first time they prayed, they did not believe. Oh, yeah. That's so true. Think, think about this with me. When you have a friend or a relative that you really trust, they always come through every time. And they call you and tell you that in a week's time, they're sending you $1,000. You know what you do? You begin to jump around in excitement. Do you know why you jump around? Because he is a man of integrity. He keeps his word. And you know, he has kept his word so many times. And you know he's going to keep his word this time. My Bible said God is not a man that he should lie. Nor a son of man that he should change his mind. As he said, will he not do? As he spoken, will he not make it good? In Isaiah 55, I believe it's from verse 10, it says, As the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not back again, but waters the earth, and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be, that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it, and it will prosper. In the thing I please. I believe it's Psalm 89. I have sworn by my holiness. I shall not lie to David. Are you listening to me? The gifts. And the calling of God. Are irrevocable. Once they are given. They will not be retrieved. Do you trust this God? If you can trust your friend or your relative that much, 
to where now you're confident because he called you on the phone and promised you a thousand dollars he's going to wire it into your account or send it via western union and you are getting all excited yes i've been waiting for this praise god now you're telling all your friends come on now who knows what i'm talking about you're already telling money is coming where is it i haven't got but it's coming i know why do you believe it? I believe I trust that friend of mine. I trust him. Do we trust God? You see, that's where people miss it. Because they haven't come to the place where they fully trust God and are confident in what God's able to do. That's why we, we just keep praying about the same thing and sounding like a broken record. And say the same thing over. We prayed about it yesterday. We pray about it today. We pray about it next week. We pray about it. Just give up. Just keep praying. The same thing. Praying. And the more you pray, the more depressed you get. It's time to stop and thank the Lord. What things soever you desire. When you pray. When you pray. Not after you pray. When you pray. Believe. Believe that you receive them. And ye shall have them. You, you're going to believe when you pray and it's gonna, you're going to see the manifestation. Come on now, say amen. amen. You're going to believe and then you're going to, if you don't believe, you're seeing nothing. You've got to believe when you pray, that's when to believe, that's when to receive, and you were gonna, you're going to see it happen. Amen. That's how it works, people. So I, I, I didn't pray that prayer. I said to the lady, it's done. It's done. We prayed yesterday. It's done. And listen, it's, it, honestly, it's not up to me. It's not up to me. Unfortunately, it's, it's the, it, that's the case. And I say unfortunately because with all of my heart, I want to help everybody. But I, even Jesus couldn't help everybody. He came to Nazareth where he was raised up, and the Bible said he couldn't do any mighty works in Nazareth because the people said, I know him. He built my chair. I know him. He played football on the street with my boy. I know him. You know, they despised him. They had no faith. And the Bible said he couldn't do any mighty works in Nazareth. And the reason was because of their unbelief. Even Jesus. So don't think that it's up to the man. It's not up to the pastor. It's, it, it's, it's up to you. The late Kenneth Hagin would say, say this way. Find two or three scriptures that promises you what you're believing for. Then you have a basis for faith. You can't find them, forget. No faith. No faith. So that's why people struggle when it comes to believing God for, for something. And Pastor Corey said, think big. We've got to think big this year. And you know how you're going to think big? You're going to think big when you let the word of God expand you on the inside. You're going to be able to think big when you let the truth of God's word come into you and expand the way you think. Thinking, uh, thinking, thinking, is, it's over. It's time to think like who you are. Come on now. I say it's, it's time to think like who you are. Amen. It's time to see yourself like the mirror shows you you are. Come on now, say amen. amen. So we don't want to be like those that look in the mirror, the perfect law of liberty, and, and walk away and forget how they look. I have time today, praise God. I know you love the word, don't you? Should I? Should I continue? Am I wasting your time? Even, should I stop? 
nobody can say yes. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> even, if, even if on the inside you, you're saying no, you can't say, you know. <laughs> you don't want to look like the bad guy, you know. <laughs> nobody can say no. Everyone will say yes. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Now with some people, I've just gotten Sunday with them the whole week. So I try to give as much as I can. So bear with me. For those of you who come every week, even on Wednesdays, you come. But others don't. It's a full house on Sundays. In actual fact, we, we have seats in the hour, but they're empty today because some people decided to sleep at home. I told the students yesterday, you know the whole thing about God can do all things. As if God can do all things, God will bring people to church. Everyone will come to church. God will wake you up early. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So God can do only what you let him do in your life. If you want to be in church early, yeah, he, the grace is there. You want to come on Wednesday? If you want to come the whole week, uh, this week with... Uh, Evangelist Melissa Swindle, the Lord will give you the grace to be here. If you don't want to come, you want to sleep and snore, yeah. <laughs> Praise God. So faith is it's a weapon of defense. Faith is a weapon to defeat circumstances. The Bible says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Faith is a force. When it's released, situations will give way. Faith is not, now, now, listen to this. Faith is not just the thing that enables you to have miracles and breakthroughs. It is also a complete 100% trust in God, knowing that all is well despite what is happening. <laughs> you know, when some people talk about how their faith got them this and got them that, when you hang out with people like that, sometimes you just feel like you're a loser. Honestly, because they talk about, my faith got me this, my faith got me that. And in actual fact, they say it in such a way where it seems as if they have faith in their faith. Oh, yeah. You hear some people speak, it looks like they have faith in their own faith. My faith did this for me, my faith did that for me, my faith this, my faith that. But, but there are those who may not have seen it yet, but they continue to believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are those who don't understand it fully, yet they keep standing. You know, you go to Hebrews 11, where you have the hall of faith. In the world, is the hall of fame. In Hebrews 11, is the hall of faith. And you, you, you just keep reading, and you, you, you read of amazing things. People receive their dead back to life, and, and uh, uh, by faith, um, uh, Jacob blessed the, the 12 tribes of Israel, and by faith, Abraham did this, and all of that. You would see how by faith they took nations, and by faith, but if you keep reading, you find out that the Bible talks about those who did not receive. <laughs> they did not receive. It says they all died not receiving. It says somewhere cutting in half, sawn in two. They were beaten 
they, they were destitute. They walked around. It says the world was not worthy of them. Go read Hebrews 11. Go read it. But in the hall of faith, God puts them there. Oh, you would think these are losers. They were cut in half. They were beaten. They, they, they were destitute. You know what it means to be destitute? You have no place to stay. These are losers. No, they're not. No, they're not. The fact that someone has not received that does not mean they're a loser. It is faith that kept them. And it is faith that's still keeping them. And they don't fully understand what's happening. But, you see, they don't ask God questions. Lord, why me? Why me? No, they believe. Job said, even though he slays me, yet I will worship him. He did not fully understand what was happening. Even though he slays me, I will serve him. You don't fully understand some things sometimes, but your faith will keep you. Come on now, say praise the Lord. This is, this is an aspect of faith that some people don't talk about. Faith is this. Faith is receiving. Faith is a miracle. Faith is giving me a big this, a big that. Faith is. No, there are some times you don't even fully understand what's going on. Are you listening to me? How many of you are being in a season like that? You don't understand. My God, if you know what some of us have come through. When we did not even understand. You look, you, you don't even see the end of the tunnel. <coughs> oh, yeah. You don't see the end of the tunnel. You don't even know. But somewhere there, you know, I am persuaded. He's able to do that which he has spoken. He will. So you don't wake up every morning and asking God, why me? Why me? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen for me? My, 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 my friend just gave a testimony last week. What, what, when is my turn? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone is getting married. What about me? <laughs> what about you? <laughs> so what if God asked you the same question? Yeah, what about you? <laughs> yeah, what about, what about you? <laughs> what about you? That's why we don't compare with anyone else. Don't ever compare yourself with the next person. Because the person you're comparing yourself with is actually desiring to be like you. You just don't know. <laughs> oh, you just don't know. They wish they got what you got. I'm telling you. They wish. They wish. They're also praying, Lord, I wish. I wish. <laughs> While you were saying, Lord, I wish, they were also saying, Lord, I wish. And so you're all wishing. But it's good to mind your business and say, Lord, I thank you for my life. I thank you for all that you have for me. I believe you. I trust you. I know, I know my times are in your hands. I know you're leading me. You're leading me in the path of righteousness. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in 2019. I thank you for all that you are going to do in 2020. Uh, my faith is strong. I'm confident in you. I have nothing to fear. I am like Mount Zion. I will not be moved. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my business. I thank you for my finance. I thank you for my, my spouse is coming. I thank you, Lord, for my 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 Karabose. I thank you for I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for I thank you for my ministry. I thank you, Lord. I'm not gonna compare with no one else. Thank you for you've made me a voice. I'm a unique voice. I'm not a copycat. I'm not an echo. I'm a voice. Amen. I'm not a duplicate of anybody else. Praise God. That's how to pray. That's how to talk to God. 
You talk to God in such a way, my God, faith will rise up and confidence will rise up in your heart. You have no reason to be afraid and worry and compare yourself with the next guy. Come on now, say praise God. Thank you, money is coming. In actual fact, I'm so blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the country. Wherever, wherever I step into, I, I dominate. I, I take territories in Jesus' name. My body is strong. Amen. The doctor said, I don't care what the doctor said. My body is strong. Praise God. You, you heard the story. When my, my wife was pregnant with, with Irene. Where's Irene? Irene is 15 now. My wife was pregnant with Irene. And the doctor said to us, you need to abort the baby. You, you can't have this baby. Get rid of this baby. Because if you give birth, she will suffer from Down syndrome. And uh, we, uh, the moment the doctor said it to her, you know Pastor Priscilla? <laughs> she, she said no! She shouted at the doctor. In faith, though. <laughs> no! I'm not getting rid of my baby. So we called Pastor Corey. We met somewhere on the street. Me, Pastor Corey, Pastor Rose, Pastor Priscilla. We held hands on the street and we prayed. Prayed. We reversed it. Whose report are you going to believe? But before she was conceived, I prayed. I said, Lord, I want a girl. And I want a tall girl. <laughs> I prayed. I asked for specifics. <laughs> I want a tall girl. And I want a very agile, active, active. I said, I don't want my, I don't want my, my daughter sitting and I want an active, <laughs> jumping around, excited. That's what I said. These are the things I said to God in my prayer. And the Lord gave me and the devil wanted to take, the, take, take her. We have to fight in faith. So Pastor Corey said, okay, I'm sending you guys to another doctor. So we go to a different doctor. We walk in and they ran the test. The doctor said, baby's fine. Everything is fine. Some of you are jealous. You need to clap your hands and give God glory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there she is in the back. Praise God. Lift your hands and wave at them. Yeah. See? If she listened to the doctor 15 years ago, she would not be here. Carried her full term, gave birth, came out blessed. Amen. See, see how tall she's tall. <laughs> now she plays, plays. I mean, I got to the point at one time I said, This girl is too active. Lord, my God. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping all over the place. Well, you know, because when you pray, God will do exceeding abundantly above. <laughs> or, <laughs> or you ask or think. Come on now, somebody say amen. Exceeding abundantly above, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. That's what God gave us. So she's all over the place. So I, I'm, in the, I'm in my room, and I'm, Irene, Irene, be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, this is my testimony. 
And I tell you this because I need you to also trust God. It doesn't matter what the doctor told you. It doesn't matter what the economy says. It doesn't matter what your neighbor. What matters is what the word says. And if you can stand on the authority of the word, the word of God's going to work for you. God is no, I believe in Romans chapter 2, verse 11, or Romans 1, 11, it says, God is no respecter of persons. God does not favor one and disfavor the other. God will give you the same thing if you believe that he gave to the next guy. Are you listening to me? Of course, you know when I say the same thing. You know, God will do the same thing for you. Praise God. Have you been blessed today? Yes. Anyone has faith now? Yes. Anyone, anyone, is your faith rising now? Yes. Is your faith rising now? Yes. Don't, don't despair. Don't be discouraged. Yes. Amen. Yes. 